0: Salut everyone! Welcome back to French Football Weekly, the podcast. Who is this imposter I hear you all shout? It's me, it's Chris, I'm back. Uh, Apologies for missing the season opener last week. Um, I assure you I had nothing more important to do, um, but I was absent and I do apologise. But I'm back this week and uh, how lovely it is to have football back. I've very much missed the Farmers League comments that I get tweeted on a regular basis. I've missed those all summer been lovely anyway uh enough of that nonsense uh let's introduce my panel for this evening full house uh good evening to phil first of all hey phil hello and good evening to rich hello hello and last but not least hello Chairs. hello i'm pretty sure we've got a fairly happy panel this evening um pretty much two very happy one probably fairly happy oh yeah now Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll make the best of what we've got. Um, You might uh, probably predict which games we're going to focus on quite heavily this evening, but as per the usual schedule, uh, it doesn't change. So we're going to give you the results for the weekend's action, excluding the games we're going to go into it in a bit more detail. So we'll come on to OL in a moment. But uh, have a look at the Saturday results, which uh, first started off with a non-Marseille game, which ended 0-0. We'll go into the, into Marseille a little bit later on in the show as well. So less said about that, the better. Toulouse picked up a 1-0 victory over Dijon, with a, uh, a 1-0 home win, that is. I can go with the winner... Just ten minutes into the second half, Uh, Nîmes lost at home to Nice in a game that saw three red cards. Always good me you, nice scrap, isn't it? Uh, Nice to see Willian Cyprien back on the score sheet, albeit from the penalty spot. Canago with the second for repa. pulled one back equally from the spot for Nîmes before Colly was sent off for Nice and two red cards in the 90th minute for Martinez and uh, Brichon in uh, in that game for Nîmes. So, yeah, ended up 9 versus 10. All good fun. Amiens uh, also uh, somewhat surprisingly, in my opinion, beating Lille 1-0. The fact that Sumare was sent off after 39 minutes didn't help the, uh, the away side's day and Jurassic with the winner oh. with 20 minutes to go for Amiens uh, Bordeaux and Montpellier drew 1 1. Uh, it would have been so much nicer if we had a full house, eh, I feel. But we get what we get. Uh, Josh Major, the former Sunderland legend, uh, uh, with the equaliser after Andy Delors, who else had put Montpellier in front after 22 minutes. That one ending in stalemate. And then on to Sunday's action, we saw a rather forgettable um, afternoon game between Ram and Strasbourg ending 0 0. Again, less said the better. And St Etienne played out a 1 1 draw. Uh, for Brest. Good point, that. Away from home for Brest, who actually took the lead for Surier, for sorry, with the opener. And uh, Dennis Boringa, Lorient legend, of course, equalising for St Etienne with seven minutes to go. So, good point for the away side there. Right, we are going to delve into our kind of talking points this week, then. Uh, Jazz and Rich are going to focus fairly heavily, I suspect, with these <coughs> two games. Um, we are going to start with Ren PSG. And uh, I'm going to go pretty much straight across to Rich. Uh, coming from behind to win against the Champions with a 16-year-old in midfield, doesn't get
1: much better than that, does it, Rich? Uh, it doesn't. No. Um, I, I was thoroughly surprised and thoroughly impressed. Um, I thought Rem played really, really well. Um, it was pretty clear that they had learnt from their defeat in the Trophy de Champion that Defending with zero ambition wouldn't get you much against PSG. So they defended with a bit of ambition, and lo and behold, they get a result, because Wren were very, very disciplined. As disciplined as I can remember in terms of the formation, the, the, the tactical plan that Stefan had, had put in place, they stuck to that rigidly, and it, and it, and it paid off. Um, you know, They were passing it around like an absolute dream at the back, to the point where I did tweet out saying I'm a bit concerned because I can't be confident that an error can't, that an error won't be made, just as an error was made and it resulted in PSG opening the score and with a pretty wayward back pass from Damien de Silva and and Cavani tucking away the loose ball. So that was disappointing. I thought because Ren had played so well. I thought up until that point had been so organised um, to throw it away through a silly mistake. So near to, to the end of the first half, I just felt that's pretty typical. And I was just petrified that there was going to be a second goal before the break. But fortunately there was, and it wasn't for PSG. It was for, it was for Ren with Hamari with Traore playing a nice ball into to Mbain Young, um, who had three fantastic touches. One to control the ball, the second to create the space, and the third to arrow the shot into the far bottom corner. Really good goal so to go into the break all of a sudden the spirits were lifted um there wasn't there was there was less dwelling on that mistake that had led to the PSG goal there was a bit of a feeling of maybe we could get something here and then they came out in the second half and you know barely 5 minutes into that half they'd taken the lead um 16-year-old Kamavinga played a, a really nice lofted cross into Román Del Castillo, who not the tallest of players, but the cross had such accuracy on it that Del Castillo who timed his jump really well, nodded it in, and then really. Can I,
2: can I just very quickly interrupt? I'm sure like we'll get onto
1: the,
2: we'll get onto the PSG side but of it. But actually, if you watch the slow motion, he timed the timed the header terribly and was already on the way down, which just makes the defending even worse.
1: Well okay i mean he might have meant that you know i'm going to claim i'm going <laughs> to no, claim maybe yeah totally i'm, I'm going to claim he meant that if he'd have if yeah. he'd have jumped in time I, I it would have come off his chin
2: so <laughs> i'm going to claim
1: that he meant that. but um the the rest of the half then was 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 not an enjoyable watch for a rep because you know we we were on sort of uh, it felt like we were on thin ice you know we were sort of playing it around at the back and you just felt that there was the inevitable psg equalizer going to come but it didn't you know psg threatened once or twice there was a few panic moments in the six yard box but really aside from that there there wasn't much um it was it was left as as you said in the introduction it was left to to Kamavinga to to boss it really to to the extent of how is he able to do that and it's it's obviously praise to him but it's also you know, fairly damning, I think, to PSG that 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 he could do that. Um, so ultimately, yeah, it's a two-one win, and, and as a Ren fan, and I'm full of optimism all of a sudden. And you know, there's there's huge question marks. And of course, when PSG lose, I think there is fairly some focus on what does this say about PSG. Um, I'm hoping it also says something positive about Ren, in that they can put in a performance. Of, of that level and, and control the game reasonably well. Um, but yeah, I think I'm, I'm absolutely ecstatic. Um, and, and fingers crossed we then don't blow it away when we're, when we're away at Strasbourg a coming weekend. Yeah, that's, that's always the, uh, the key, isn't it? It's how you take the result on and,
0: and move it forward.
1: It would be a very Ren thing to do.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, coming from the club, I support. I feel your pain on that one. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was it was really impressive. I thought. And Jez, what's your? I, I'm sure Rich will have a, a few words, but I want to get sort of a slightly un, unbiased opinion <laughs> um, on the young, the young like uh, Kamavinga, who it, it's it's kind of one of those that Rich will tell you and and has done for for a while now. He was on the radar at the back end of last season. And he started this season fantastically, and, and no doubt he will plateau. There will be a, a period of time where he may need a rest, he may need some time out of the, the first 11. But the thing that impresses me the most with him is not just the fact that he's made the starting 11 at 16, but it's the position he's playing. It's not really... You, you do see a fair amount of, sort of young wingers, sometimes full-backs and certainly forwards at this age. But to come into the heart of that midfield and essentially run it for long periods... And, and hold off some some pretty tough characters in, in that PSG midfield as well. What's your kind of take on on his development? And, and just to expand on that point a bit, why is it you feel that French football produces so many of these young talents that are ready to step into the the breach so early on?
2: I think with Camavinga, obviously, it's so far so good. I mean, he, he came in... Uh, relatively late last season. I think he played seven of the last nine matches, something like that, has continued where he left off. And it's not a thing. You often see players come in and they show lots of raw talent and you can sort of say, um, you know, you can see that they've got the the ability, but they don't yet have maybe the temperament or the intel, the sort of game intelligence, but it will come. But it looks like he's already got all of that. Um, he just he looks calm and unflustered on the ball. He um, I have to say a couple of times during during the, the last 20 minutes or so knows when to kind of take a dive or, or make the most out of a, an opponent's challenge to, to sort of use up time. He can sort of sit back and soak up pressure. he can be the box to box he can push forward a little bit so he's got he's got all the skills and he seems to know when to use them. Um so, as you said, I think, you know, certainly the last two days or so, the fuss that's been made of him is the only person that's that you can compare it to is Mbappe. And it's a similar kind of thing. He looked almost like a ready-made footballer when he started. And I think we, we've always said the true tests might come when he sort of faces some kind of adversity for the first time and arguably he still hasn't yet. It's the, the same with Camavingo, he's so far he's done everything asked of him and um, we have to wait and see where if he has a dip in form, if Ren have a dip in form, if um, maybe as could well happen. When,
1: when not if. <laughs>
2: Um, There's no if about that. (laughs) Yeah, well, Mbappe, arguably, there hasn't really been, so you never know. But, um, you know, looking at some of the the red cards we've already seen this season, like um, Simari this weekend, you know, how he would react maybe to a a harsh booking or red card or something like that. But so far, everything he's done suggests that he's got both the ability and the temperament. And effectively, that's the full package. In terms of what... um, how come French clubs produce players like this? I think it's two things. First of all, they invest in youth and they invest in youth development. And secondly, because every summer there's such a huge exodus of players, they get chances sooner, and more often than, than other teams. I know that a lot of Premier League teams obviously do have youth development programmes, but I'm not sure they all do, and I'm certainly not sure that they all put as much effort into it because they don't need to if you can just write a cheque. You if know, champ, championship teams now are outbidding top teams in, in all of the other major leagues to, to, to sign top-class talent, why should they bother investing in youth if they can afford to just buy a ready-made talent? So it means that France, PSG aside, they basically are the whole the whole league really is a selling league, um, and it's a pity because as we always discuss, um, no team really has a chance to build a dynasty because every time any decent player is produced, they're they're going to leave the following summer. It means that we get all this farmers league crap because the teams don't do so well in Europe. But as long as you're sort of if if you're judging the league based on the talent they produce, then actually France is miles ahead of England, for example.
0: Mm, blasphemy, I agree with it by the way. Um, but yeah, you, you can't criticize the Premier League or English football. What are you doing, Jess? What are you thinking?
2: Uh, just, what what would talk sport and Darren Goff say? Oh, don't
0: do
3: not mention the words talk and sport around me. Oh, oh god, no, please. Um, don't bother pronouncing anybody's name correctly, it appears to no. be the, the key thing at the moment. Jesus, no, that's yeah, we, we can't have
0: that. Can't have that.
3: Um, with regards psg
0: uh phil we we do have to address the the elephant in the room um well actually there's it's becoming a bit of a room full of elephants because we've got psg (coughs) we've got transfer windows neymar not getting coutinho it's all happening
2: what
0: would what would you be doing if if you were el calife or or leonardo in this situation i mean it's clear that It's clear that all is not particularly settled at PSG. Granted, Ren, I thought, deserved the win based on their performance on the night. They took advantage of the chances they had and and they played very well. But that said, PSG don't look Mm. like a side to me that are settled. I thought even in the opening game with Neem, they they didn't look completely fluid. And
3: And they they were playing a team that's lost nine of its key players from last season and hasn't basically hasn't replaced them so that wasn't much if I was Al Khalifi I, I getting out of the way I think would be a good thing to do um I have to admit I didn't watch this match because I'd been all footballed out over the weekend I've seen some great games and I was just like I know what's going to happen, so I binge watched Grand Designs on Netflix instead, <laughs> and then just kind of went to turn my computer off at the end of the evening and went the, the what. Um, and what seemed interesting to me, there's a, a good analysis of this in between the posts, you can find on Twitter. It basically, there was this kind of weird mashup of a 433 and a 3142. and it ended up being extremely lopsided. Nothing got forward. Everything was going through Ferrati, mostly out to burnout. But as Rich said, Ren defended, but defended plus, and so they didn't manage to get forward as they used to, and they mostly only did it up one side. So, yeah, it's going to take some time to to work things out. They haven't been that big uh, a kind of turnover. I know we, you know, Danny Alves is off carnivaling wherever the Neymar situation rumbles on like you know, Game of Thrones and after the actual writers stopped writing so somebody else takes over. So I it's gonna take a while. Um but we know they're gonna come back because they've got the money, they've got the manpower. Mm. Um the key thing will be who can take advantage now because I don't, I think it was, um, Opta. Um, I can't remember his name. Um, guy from Opta said, this is the first time that PSG have won one of the two opening games since 2012. And we remember what happened then, um, 2011, 12 season. So it's not who can take advantage? Can somebody put some clear water between themselves and PSG now? And then, you know, deal with possibly being reeled in later on. So I think it's it's going to be interesting. It's at least set things up to be not what we were expecting,
1: mm.
3: albeit after two games. But that is, you know, a bonus, I think.
1: I, was, li- I was listening to the the, the League Un um podcast. Sorry for mentioning a, a rival. <laughs> but, um, um no, it wasn't the league. Sorry, it was a totally football show. Uh, and to right, Laurent, say you're on one of our rights. Uh, <laughs> Julien <laughs> Laurent was was saying that in 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 recent times, the 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 two times where PSG had lost their first game in August were the two times they didn't win the mm-hmm. And as as Phil said, 2012 when Montpellier won it, and then back in 2017, 20... 17 when Monaco won it. So you know, it, it, it's it got history as being a bit of an omen, but
3: yeah, that's not um, a big data set.
1: I just <coughs> want to stick a geeky
3: hand up there and say that. Well, but, yeah, you know, that, we'll that, take anything that, we can get. Yeah, oh, yeah.
2: <laughs> while, while we're on the... I can on PSG just quickly. Sorry, I was chatting someone about it today on Twitter, and I think it also applies a lot to the state of the Monaco are in at the moment and and what Phil said about how there hasn't been that much turnover at PSG. I actually think that's the problem. I think mm. you, you look at like say Alex Ferguson who, sorry Chris, but one of the more successful managers of recent no, years fine. and that Man United team always evolved and they were a winning team and he still ships players out after sort of four, five, six years. You need to have a constant cycle. This PSG team, okay, they win League A, but on the European stage, you have to say there's a lot of serial failures in there. This yeah, Thiago Silva awesome. is still in the team. Verratti, yeah. very talented, but still in the team. And the Cavani, ones they do same move again, on still in are the, team. the kids. I think it's time to get rid of those players. And you know, all this fuss about um, Ariola. He Okay, he probably should have done better for the second goal, but so should Meunier and Silva. And Silva, the seasoned international, the great St. Thiago Silva, 7 out of 10 every week, mm-hmm. having, you know, bait, balling out his goalkeeper like that, he was the one that should have been marking Del Castillo. He just stood there and let him, like I said, I th- I think, actually missed time his header, but still, still have enough time to make that header. And I just think it's sort of symptomatic of... Um, the, the guy I was talking to said that he thinks that the PSG-Lyon match last year it was PSG in a microcosm. They dominated the match, but they lost. I said, first of all, they didn't dominate the match, and Ariola bailed them out loads of times. He made seven saves in that match and was unfortunate to slip um, to to give away the the first goal for Lyon. Um, actually, I think Sunday night was PSG in a microcosm. N- not enough players caring. Um Supposedly talented players going completely missing, and everyone picking on the the homegrown boy because he's an easy scapegoat. And as long as they carry on with that kind of attitude, then there's still going to be the same problems every year, time and again.
3: And just to kind of go back to something from that, the players they do sell are the kids the ones who could be brought through, who could be great, who could be given a chance, but they can't get in the team because they'd have to dislodge one of these stars. And so they're losing their homegrown ability to rejuvenate that team. And we've been saying this for seasons as have, um, you know, PSG's fans. Every time a youth player disappears after the Bundesliga, it's like, Oh fuck another one gone. Mm. um, And so they're in a situation where to rejuvenate this team, they will have to spend a lot of money because they don't appear to be willing to take the reasonably priced option. And that's like, you know, a bit shooting yourself in the foot to a certain extent, which is why I said if I was Al-Khalifi, I'd possibly just try getting out of the way for a while. Because I'm sure Tuchel is looking at the youth team going, yeah, he's good, he's good, he's good. And somehow they don't stay.
0: Well, the the trouble is, as we know, PSG have real issues spending money. So that will be really difficult for them. I'm sure not. But yeah, I I agree. And I think Jez's point about the squad as well. I, I look at the same. There's a lot of talent there. But sometimes you just have to look at your squad and say, they're all very talented. But we need to refresh it slightly we need to go in a different direction and i don't really feel like psg have got an identity which i must admit i hate it when supporters of clubs say this oh we don't have an identity and it's like you would not give a monkeys if your identity was winning 70 throw ins in the first 10 minutes if you won every game you literally wouldn't care but when you're psg and you're trying to sell the brand i think you have to i think you have to have some sort of identity which which they don't have but a team that does have an identity is uh, one of the challenges, um, seemingly, this season. I'll, I'll take my hat off to them. I'm slightly surprised, albeit they did beat Angers, um, who I think is fair to say waved a little white flag. <laughs> However, Jez, um, Lyon, Olympic Lyonnais, they won 6-0. Um Memphis Depay is is trying, which is is new, and running around a lot, which is very new. It sounds like a happy, settled side. Um, players like Lucas Toussaint are, are proving a lot of people wrong. They're giving debuts to youngsters. It's a fresh, vibrant, attacking style. I guess my question to you is, when does it all go wrong for Leon? Because this is all sounding a little bit too...
3: Oh, bad. come on. We've got Tarek on the case writing a piece about our OL fun again. Come on, get with the hat of
2: positivity.
0: Sorry, I've been all miserable. Just bring me back to my positive work, positive world. What, what do you reckon about Leon this season?
2: Uh, so far, so good. Again, I think um, they haven't had the two most challenging matches yet, but they've still got results, and both of them brilliantly. Um, Monaco were awful last week, but Lyon, have, that we often see in the last couple of years, would somehow still scrape a draw out of that match. But they they so they were relatively ruthless and put Monaco to the sword 3-0 away from home. And Ancher aren't the greatest team. They're doing their usual thing of having to adjust to, to sell, selling a couple of their top players during the summer. But Lyon slaughtered them 6-0. And the one thing you can always say about Angers is that they're solid defensively and they're well organised. And And they were just ripped apart. So I think that, um, you know, certainly this weekend there was the whole Juninho factor. And I think as as Rich tweeted at the time, you get the impression that when things go well, possibly he's going to get the credit that maybe Silvino deserves. Mm Rather than the other way around, but um, whatever it was, you know, the, the crowd was absolutely amazing on Friday night, and, and the, the, the players thrived on it. Um, there's still obviously some stuff to be ironed out, um, defence are all getting used to playing with each other. There could be off the pif- off the field issues with Lopez because he's in his I think last year of his contract, and uh, contract talks have broken down, um, and some of those players we've seen before, can go missing when things get tough. But so far, so good. And if they can keep up the, the way they're playing, oh, I, I criticised a lot last year. I don't think he was anywhere near good enough. And I think he got some kind of exemption just because he's the sort of hometown's um, you know, blue-eyed boy. Um, but he looked... Not so great against Monaco, but, abs- but unplayable against mm. Angers. And the pass for, I think it was Depay's second, yeah. is just absolutely beautiful. Oh, Depay, as nothing. you said, good finish, good assist, and actually running, sprinting, hassling the, the opposition, pressing them, stuff that you never see before. Um, Toussaint looks great. Players like Jean-Lucas being able to come off the bench and, and add something with his goals, um, it looks a strong squad and as long as they keep motivated and keep um on form then I, I think they they genuinely can be um viable challengers for psg
0: that's um kind of my next question really to you rich are, are they the the one challenger to to psg's crown i mean can you see any other clubs i know we're sort of focused more on on the um at this point but what what makes them the standout challenger? I guess when you look at that squad, uh, there is still, at time of recording, talk that Juventus are sniffing around a few of those sort of talented players that left there. But having lost Nabil Fakir and, as uh, as just saying, doubts over Anthony Lopez, is is there a danger that we're getting a bit ahead of ourselves here with with Leon?
1: Um, in terms of viable challenges to PSG, I do think they are probably the only one. I think basis of that being just I think it's their squad. I think as a squad, they've they've got second-best squad. Um, I think in terms of experience of being up there, they've obviously been, you know, top three or four now for a number of years in succession. So they know what it takes to put together, uh, you know, a sustained run of of good form. Um, and I just think you look at the other teams, and and if if it's not that their squads aren't up to scratch, it's that. They're just too inconsistent. So, I think in terms of, of challenger, you are looking at Leon. Um, as as we sort of mentioned and alluded to, tougher challenges are going to come. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they, they cope in the, the upcoming game, the way at Montpellier, for example. That's. <laughs> yeah, that money, money on 5 next. 1 to some yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I've been. You know, I, I was not massively impressed in the first week. As, as Jess said, I thought Leon were helped by how bad Monaco were and a slightly fortuitous red card. But, you know, as, as bad as Angers were, it was the style of Leon's play that really impressed me. The The interchange between them, how it, how it all seemed so settled, how they all seemed to to work and play with each other. It, it, it just seemed to smack of a team that was in a good place, Now, we we, we know that it doesn't take much for, you know, a part of that cog to not be in a particularly good mood or a happy place and everything can come crashing down. But I think what Janino can can impress upon those players uh, and those players, I'm really focusing on those that might have a bit of an ego. So mainly Memphis Depay here is he can speak to these players and say, look, I can make him br- make make you or break you with these fans. You know these fans love me. You know I've done great things here with this club. You know if you play well for me, you will look good. I will make sure you know fans appreciate you. This, that, and the other. Alternatively, you don't. Then I can get these guys. And I half wonder if he's had that conversation on the slide, because I, I you know. It, it 's impressed me you know I, I, I thought i certainly didn 't think we'd be seeing the level of, of football played by Leon in only week two i 'm um, going to be interested to see when that blip comes because it, it will and then how they react and who that blip comes against. I think possibly the the, the one major criticism i 'd give with, with Genesia was it was against those lesser teams that he would have that blip, and that I think is probably. The thing that frustrated the, the Leon fans is that they were able to beat PSG but then couldn't beat Rouse at home, for example. They couldn't beat Dijon. Um, so I think it, you know, a, a thumping performance like that against Angers shows that you know what, they they can put these kind of teams to the sword. To the to the level, I think, when you when you rewind the clock back to when Monaco won the league, they were doing this mm. to the lesser teams. They were playing terrific football, but relentless. You know they weren't just happy with with winning two or three nil. They were hammering at the door for the full ninety minutes, really punishing these teams. So that's what I want to see from them. They have it in them. Um, you know the the squad is more than capable of of. I think it was nineteen points um, separating separating PSG from. Second or, or Leon themselves in third, but I'm, I'm expecting that gap to be a lot closer this season. So, you know, as regards to whether that kicks on to something more, we can only wait and see because it is only week two. But you know, early signs have been really positive for this sort of new Leon era. Mm. Yeah. I
3: What's think the- <clears throat> one thing I I noticed because I watched this with kind of a you know a glass of wine and some popcorn, um, it was the the kind of it felt like it was a constant wave of things. But when you look at how efficient they were, they got those six goals from 11 shots, nine on target. Now, as um, just said, Angers are known for being pretty doughty defenders. And they were just taken apart. It was the efficiency as well, um, that everything seemed more measured and... Like we said, uh, our um, assist for Memphis. I think people on Twitter were going, I want to take that pass on, on holiday with me. You know, it was really good stuff, but cutting edge, incisive stuff rather than some of the slightly more individualistic efforts we have seen from some of them in the past. It is interesting how, I mean, it's natural, but it is interesting how much more Juninho is being kind of credited with this than the actual manager i mean the tifo before the match um and all of that if those two can work together and with all throughout the season that's going to be a hell of a triumvirate to try and get over when you consider that possibly at other clubs those three positions are in more in in conflict than in cooperation shall we say also i love his beard he looks so covered. So <laughs> uh, it was a it was a, such a fun game to watch on Friday. Obviously, I'm not an Nanshe fan. Um, Boutel was terrible. Yeah, but no, um, the uh, the Jeff. It was a fun but, game. Yeah, the Jeff Derby and poor Jeff in the stands there, not yeah. really knowing where to look or what to do with himself. What to do? But, yeah. yeah, exactly
0: that. <laughs> uh, Jazz. We had two questions, didn't we? That are Leon. Focused as it were, um, what what, what were they and who were they from?
2: Uh, one sec, (laughs) you're gonna have to fill while I double check. (laughs) Uh,
3: um, more about Juninho's beard because
1: he he does does, look like he's gonna launch a craft brewery. I think, yeah,
3: he does look so different from the free kick expert we all know and love. And he now looks just like he's wearing a suit because somebody told him he had to.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: He, he avoids it at all costs. I've
1: noticed. He's, <laughs> either, a, he's either a craft brewer or he is a, uh, a a sort of young geography teacher preparing for parents evening.
3: No, I'm I'm I'm, I'm saying i artisan carpenter.
0: I could definitely yeah. see him in one of those tweed definitely jackets with the
3: woodworking, wood yeah, things.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it works. It works. It's, uh, him it's and not Eddie. my
3: normal area anyway. Him and Eddie
0: were quite a good jazz band, I think. Jez, find the question. I think
2: we pretty much covered them. The first one is. Draw that. OL ADN, Amérique du Nord. Can Lyon be legitimate title contenders this season? Why not? Answered that one. And the second one, which is from Samuel J., who will have another question later as well, but was he OL fan? Which of Memphis Depay's family members is Silvino holding hostage that's forcing a new (laughs) Memphis to track that and work hard for the collective, both on and off the ball?
3: (laughs) Does does he have a dog? Because I believe that can really hurt.
0: Yeah, Yeah. there's definitely something going on there, isn't there? Um, But you know what? Fair play. Sometimes players just need a a proverbial kick up the arse to get the best out of them. And if that's what's happened, Memphis Depay's talent is not in doubt at all anyone who's watched him it's all about what goes on alongside him um you know it's the it's the Pogba the Neymars of this world that's what comes along with them and I don't think Memphis is in that that level but in his own mind he's above that level that's the concern so
3: I do I do kind of hope in my mind that he and Juninho are having free kick practice sessions together on the training ground and that's Taught Tidia him wins. a couple of things, yeah. yeah That's wins. dangerous, though. That
1: <laughs> that could damage his e uh, Memphis's ego because yeah, no, no uh, I he, think that
3: he, would he be ain't, like he ain't, gonna, no, be, no, uh, I, he ain't I, gonna
1: be
3: he ain't gonna I, I want to work on this. Now. I want to work on this anyway.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. Just good. good. If it's working and it's getting the best out of him, then then fair play. And speaking of getting the best, um, we'll touch on Monaco in a minute. But, Jez, this is your moment. This is your Martine McCutcheon, if you will, <laughs> as a reference to the old school amongst us. Um, Mets won, and not only did they win, they, they, they put Monaco to the sword, didn't they? Three-nil victors. Okay, yes. You could say Monaco, somewhat surprisingly, of all things, getting a red card. Who'd have thought? Uh, yes, Aguilar sent off. Was it not his debut as well? I think it was, wasn't it? I oh, used to play the first game. Sorry, apologies. But he was sent off after 34 minutes. Mets were already one up by that point already from dia's penalty. He went on to get a second before René Coard got the third. Um, it would be fair to say, again, having watched extending highlights of this, Mets were just the better side. They just wanted this this more. Does this fill your, your heart with, with glee and optimism for the, for the season ahead?
2: Uh, y- yes and no. I mean, there's, the, the Strasbourg match actually made me feel good as well because the first half they were really poor and the fact that they showed the character to to come back and, and um, improve exponentially and get, get a point in quite a difficult surroundings for them was, was really impressive I thought. This one, a brilliant win but Monaco are so bad at the moment that it's difficult to read too much into it but they did look really good. One of the big concerns for, for mess going into the season was whether Diallo is capable of taking the, the step up from Ligue 2 to Ligue 1. He so far definitely looks like he can. He had one chance and he put it away against Strasbourg. Um, two goals here, slightly lucky that the, the penalty kind of went went through Lecomte, but um, played had a really good game anyway. Was sharpest to the ball for the second goal. A fantastic Lukon save denied him a hat trick. Um, even before the penalty, um, Badiashii cleared another chance of his off the line. And on- honestly, the 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 same fixture in two thousand seventeen finished Mess nil Monaco seven. Mess had the chances. They they could have avenged that with a with the same kind of score. Belaya, um, Mr. Sitter. There was another great Lacon save at the end. Um, it was that dominant a performance, and yes, Aguilar, you know, playing down down to ten men for for an hour was was certainly a factor, probably in how easy it was for for Mess. But again, I mean, like the same way that we spoke about Lyon last week, um, they have still got to to do the business, however bad the, the opposition are, and a three 0 win win against Monaco. Um, Yeah, fantastic result and and four points in the first two matches is is ideal.
0: Yeah, yeah, well said. And it's it's kind of those games, isn't it, as well, that as a a newly promoted side, you you kind of you you want to get off to the best possible start and and beat and you wanna beat teams or potentially pick up points that that you may not from teams that might have settled seasons further down the line, if that makes sense. And Monica at the moment we know they're a bit of a basket case, we'll touch on that in a second, but
2: well you've got to get points off your allegation rivals <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't want to say that, but you you weren't there, so i'm going I'm just going to nod my approving head at you You're right I, I think you you know early on in the season you you get the points on the board as best you can, and, and Mets thoroughly deserve that win, but mm. with the shoe on the other foot, Phil um monaco oh, i mean I, I don't
3: really know i don't know what they are anymore you know they, <laughs> good they, they, they yeah, thank you because I'm trying to. Fun. Trying to get my head around it. And I, one thing that this is slightly tribal, but, okay, they bought two of um, Montpellier's best players from last season. Lecomte was terrible last week, and Agriaga sent off this week. What are they doing to players? Now, Jez shared a really interesting um, video analysis from... Uh,
2: what's Roma name? Molina.
3: Yes, Breaking down some of the things that seem to be going wrong behind the scenes. And it does not sound like a happy place. Now, Monaco has been like a a arrival's departures lounge for years over the summer. Um, You've got it got to the point where you couldn't fit on the screen every single lone player coming back in and going back out again, and various people um, being brought from various club or clubs which may or may not have whatever it but now this seems to be getting to be a real problem and um they just look all over the place is and that's when you said you don't know what they are anymore i was trying to come up with something a bit more sophisticated than all over the place but that's what it looks like Mm. you know nothing's working
0: that's what
3: they are that everything's everything's a bit meh i'm yeah. maybe jess has got more to say maybe to to round up that uh, some of the reasons that were that were in that that video but it is not looking good no and no. it it feels like this is not something that will be easy to fix and that they may not have the money to chuck money at it to try to make that the easy fix. So they could be stuck in this situation. Falcao is possibly off. Mm. They put that poor foster kid up front last week. Um, yeah, you know, it's all... Uh,
0: it's all a bit of a... They life. are
3: all over the place. So yeah. That's my tactical analysis of Monaco at the
2: moment.
0: Who Any, knows? Anything to add to that, Jez, before I come to Rich on this one?
2: Yeah, basically the, this this video is saying that um, they're It's a kind of classic case of um, a rich owner who doesn't actually know about football and he's relying on his advisors or counsellors. And he said, you know, it's the subtle difference between a counsellor and a courtier, the people that are just there to flatter you and the ones who are actually there to to tell you what you should be doing. Um, Basically, Mendes and Vasilyev were kind of ruling the roost for a long time. It happened to work out. Um, with with some very good signings and, and every, everything coming together in 2016-17. But, um, I mean, he, he kind of used the phrase, you just chuck a load of names in the air and see where they land. And since then, they haven't landed well. And again, a little bit like what we were saying earlier with PSG and things going stale. Jardim basically couldn't really care less anymore. He's got absolutely no control over... A lot of he's, he's a lot of the players can't bear him, especially the younger ones. Lopez can't stand him. Falcao's gone off him. He doesn't really care about training, which is I think a factor in the last two results because Lyon and Mess looked a lot more sort of physically ready for the season mm. than Monaco did. Much sharper. He, he's obsessed with money, apparently. And Apparently, even will give players sort of a couple of minutes at the end of a match so they get a playing bonus and sort of shouts to them, think of the money, think of the money. Mm -hmm. And he's got his own little clique, which is basically, or has been, Raji, Subasic, Glick, Jemison. I think I'm missing one more older player. I can't remember who. But um, no, Um, Falcao was I've, he Falcao comes across very well in these videos you know they said that he he goes back for training in the afternoon when everyone else has gone because the training's so bad and he knows that you're supposed to do more and when he talks about Henri and saying that you know yes Henri had his faults. yes maybe he should have done things slightly differently but the fact is that all he did was try to drop the players who are real troublemakers who didn't care anymore and who who hadn't been playing well all season. And they happen to be the players that Jardim protects. Jardim was the one who gave Subasic and Raji new contracts when they shouldn't have had them. And Jardim's the one who just won't drop Glick or Jemison, even though they're, they've been awful for a while now. Mm. Jemison, even he's playing in, in defensive midfield, even though they have got defensive midfielders. And Benassia says probably, in today it's... Um, the Reports are that he's probably going to join Bordeaux because Jardim is not interested in even giving him a go. So um, yes, and also that those players, particularly Jemison and Suberci, apparently really stabbed Ori in the back. So everything's a mess there, and and I think bringing Jardim back was the, absolutely the worst thing that could happen. And Petrov and another one of the directors, I can't remember his name, are trying to, to sort of rein things in. They basically said to Mendes, look, the agreement was you help us ship some players out and then we'll let you bring some players in. That He keeps coming back with players that they should buy but won't suggest anyone that, or won't do anything about getting rid of players. So they're saying, well, we're not interested then. Um, and But there's no one else coming in anywhere. Uh, all the players that came in last summer were pretty much a flop, apparently Grandseer is known to have a big problem with nightclubs. So um, I'm not sure that bringing him to a place like Monaco was necessarily a particularly great move. Um, Henri apparently just tried to instill a bit of authority. Some people say went too far, but the example they gave was the, the first match of, of Henri's tenure. He said to the substitutes bench, look, watch the match, study the match. I'm going to bring you on at some point. If you've been watching the match, you'll know how it's going, where the weaknesses are, whatever, you'll be able to play better. Um, but they were all on their mobile phones, so completely undermining him. Um, he brought Grand Zero on. Grand Zero immediately got sent off. And then that night went clubbing and cooled in sick the next day because he was hungover. So... Um, <laughs> maybe Henri needed to show a bit more authority and maybe if he'd been backed higher up it would have gone better so I just think all the way through the club things are very bad but it seems obvious that the very worst thing that they could have done was bring Jardin back
3: mm. Mm. Yeah. I take it, this I haven't watched the video yet it is in French, is it? Yeah but we will still link to it in the um, in the article for this, so you can uh, look it up. And if you have any translation questions that you can't get over, uh, ping Jess. Yeah,
2: I've done a, I've done a whole thread with yeah. a lot
3: of it. Yeah, we retweeted that, so I'll add that in as well to help explain what's going on. Smashing
0: stuff. We're going to, um, I just want to sort of finish with one of the other clubs that are. Uh, a bit of um a bit of an enigma um and they continue to be rich and that's marseille <laughs> good old marseille <laughs> um again uh, i've just said the se- same sentence i'm going to say again what are they <laughs> where are they going um are they managed by a rally driver or not um i, I just i just look at i look at marseille and i just think everything that, that is it should be there Is in place, but nothing seems to look right. And again, it's another team that every time I watch, I can't lie, they bore me. Um, I find them very sort of stodgy to watch. They've still got players like Payet, who, yet on his day, can do wonderful things, but his day often is not very regular unless I think you said in the last pod, um, unless there's a World Cup or a European Championships at the end of it. So maybe, maybe this season will be a wonderful one. They've got some good young players, but it feels to me like they need more than young players at the moment. And, you know, the, the jury is out on Villas-Boas. This is a manager who has got a lot of sort of style and fashion sense, but not a lot on paper to back up these claims. Where, where do you sort of see
1: Marseille? What do you see Marseille as at the moment? Uh, they're, frankly, they're a mess. Um I mean, on one hand, you you start to get a feel of a bit of sympathy for Vias Boas. Um, you know, he's come in. It's a squad that's in trouble, a squad that needs improving, needs overhauling, really. And you know, two or three signings later, and the pot of money has run dry. Um, and basically, there's 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 nothing in terms of bringing players in until players go. But of course, on the other hand if you do your due do diligence on a job, even if you hadn't, even if you just listen to us weekly, ramble on, you'd have known what mess Marseille were going, were, were in before you joined. So the sympathy only goes to a certain extent, but I mean, the the, the game at the weekend, the way at Nantes, you know, it, it's what we've sort of come to expect from Marseille anymore. It's It's not particularly good football. It's not particularly attractive football. It's not particularly fun football to watch. It's pretty drab. It's not very effective. Um, you know, one of the players that they did spend money on, Benedetto, um, He, he well, there was a very dubious penalty um, given in that game for handball, even though a non-player and a Marseille player pretty much handled it simultaneously. So... How the decision went one way and and not the other, I don't know. Toss of a coin, maybe. Um, Benedetto took the spot kick and proceeded to launch it over the bar. (laughs) It's then then transpired that Villas-Boas is not a happy bunny because Payet was was on for the penalties, but Payet effectively let Benedetto have the spot kick. Um, That obviously the results of the spot kick won't have, won't have helped. didn't yet. end well. didn't. Because he's then gone in and said, look, that, that, that's not for you to decide. That's for me to decide. I've decided who takes the spot kicks. It's Paya. Um, so maybe there's cracks already starting to show. Um, but it, it was a pretty disappointing performance. I think the only positive is that Marseille could have easily lost that game if it wasn't for, for Mondanda. Yeah. Um, I thought he was, he, was, he was really good in goal. Um, probably the best performance we've seen from him in quite some time. Um, and I think, as Jez said last week, you know, the, the, the weight that he'd lost and clearly the work that he has put in in, in sort of getting getting fitter and, and more agile perhaps is, 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 is paying off. And that's going to be important for Marseille, it seems, this season. But it was another really disappointing performance. I don't know where they turn. I've seen some people say, oh, well, things are going to change once tovan 's back in. Yeah, okay, things might change when you're playing Nîmes at home. You know, you might win 1-0, but that ain't going to help you when you're playing, a, a, you know, better teams. Mm. So I, I, don't, I don't know where Marseille is going, if, if I'm honest. If there is no money uh, left in the pot, there's rumours that Valentin Rangier may still make that move, that, that long rumoured move to Marseille. But, you know, Nantes supposedly wanting, I think, around 15 million for him. I don't know where that money comes from. You know, Morgan Sanson was the player that they were supposed to be close to moving on, but it really only seemed, for the most part, Premier League teams that were linked to him. So that's not going to happen now. So I don't know. I don't know. If if Boas if is right and there's no money available, then I don't see how that squad gets into Europe, if I'm perfectly honest.
0: Do you know what they remind me of, Marseille? That they remind me of that team. You know, like when you you start a career mode on Football Manager or FIFA and you go, let me pick I'm it. out. Yeah. But you, <laughs> you, you'll relate to this. When, when you, you pick a team, basically, that you look at like the European sides and you, you want to start with a team that's kind of got a big history and a good fan base, nice stadium, but is on its knees and you want to bring it back to its glory days. And that's kind of what I almost think that managers are going to Marseille think. I think I can be the one to bring this club back. Mm. It's kind of like Newcastle. Uh,
3: No, but the problem is they're not on their knees in that sense. They're not underfunded. They're Mm. not, you know, dropped down the, the pyramid. They're not shorter players. They're just not...
0: Very good.
3: Very good at the moment. And that's different from taking, you know, you know, a, I don't know, a rescue dog and making it champion of crafts. There's a difference there. And it's been several iterations of Marseille that have been slowly just bumbling down woods a tiny step each time until they're at a state where, as Rich says, you can't see them picking up a, a European place. Not mm-hmm. just a, a place. You can't see them picking up
1: um Europa. No. The the problems um, lie, I think. Uh, it's it's Viaspo basically it's Viaspo's above, above him seems to be the problems. Now it's yeah. it's people that don't know the sport, it's people that are fairly useless in their roles, and it's people not clearly communicating. You know, there were reports that um, that, that Garcia and and Zaretta last season were at loggerheads in terms of Zaretta bringing players, Garcia saying I don't want them, Garcia suggesting players, Zaretta saying he didn't want them. They, there's just this lack of if they can all get on and they can all move in the same direction. Yeah, maybe there's a there's an opportunity for some progression in the team. It's not going to help if you've still got people that are that are clueless and still people that that just don't get it, that's still not going to get you to your end goal. But at least everybody be on the same page. Because at the minute, it looks like you've got Zuba Zaretta uh, and the sort of senior board on one. And you've got the management on the squad that are in a completely different book. Yeah. This is not
3: not an organisation that is all pulling in the same direction. No. I think we can... Um, agree on that. on that
0: one Yeah yeah, 100% Well we're pulling in the same direction uh, And that direction is close to ending the show at mm-hmm. this point. However uh, We do have two other questions That have been sent to us Before we pick our games of the week So let's have a look at those Jez. Um, I think we have one about Dijon And one about Nice if I'm not mistaken
2: uh, yeah, we also had one more about Marseille from a Lyon fan, which was will Marseille score a goal this season?
0: Ah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're all putting several quid on them not. <laughs> yeah,
1: I um, would put I would put money on own goal being Marseille's top scorer by week.
0: <laughs> own goal, it's right up there with a trialist in terms of goal scorers. Um, let's have the let's have the Dijon question first, Jess. Who is that from, and what was the question?
2: So you're going to test me here. The Dijon question is from, I apologize for pronunciation. I think it's somewhat Icelandic. It's, uh, uh, well, the the Twitter handle is at Dr. Handastic. The person's name, I think, is Trig Trig V. Oh, Not so bad. And the question is, what are your takes on Dijon? They clearly have the best goalkeeper in the league, who happens to be Atlantic. But what about the rest of the team,
1: Rich? What do you think? Um, to be honest, I think I, I think they're going to be facing the same issues as last season. Yeah, um, I think they're they're very much in the firing line as, as relegation candidates go. Um, I just don't think they have enough about them. It, 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 it's week two, but d- dare I say that that Toulouse Dijon game was a six-pointer? Hmm,
0: um, it, ha-
1: it you know, it, it's on paper, it's got that feel about it. You know, there are two teams that haven't performed well, uh, certainly not last season. Um, you know, Dijon need to be getting those points. I know it is only week two, but these are the games that they need to 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 pick those points up. To be honest, it, it's not it's not going to be for a Dijon frame. Hmm. It's going to be a fun season. Um, you know, they're, they're relying on a striker, and he's on the score sheet already, but they're relying on a striker that barely scored last season, they sold their their one other sort of potential potent goal scorer to Toulouse um, funnily enough, so it's I, I just don't think necessarily that squad is, mm. is good enough
3: Yeah, it's like two years ago when they came up, they were like you know, hey exciting and had a bit of zing about them and it kind of most of that has gone it's been moved out. it's been bought out from under them and yeah last season wasn't happy and you can't see this season being much different really no. so it's and,
0: um, and, um, and no dear listener
2: your cutting the mustard jokes are not welcome here
0: um yes yeah. I, th-
2: I i think that in both matches so far, they've been extremely unlucky to lose them both. I think um, against Toulouse, they were probably the better team. Yeah. And against Saint-Étienne, deserved at least to draw. Mm-hmm. But it's not a strong squad at all. And if you're not getting points from the matches that you deserve to win, then I There's guess, trouble. I mean, it's the opposite of mess. mess. Took their chances and have got four points so far, which could be crucial. Dijon already could be sort of looking back at, at these two matches and thinking we just, mm. you know, deserve at the very least two points and we're still they, on zero. They
3: do have some good kind of veterans. I mean, Runison is good to, uh, you know, um, kind of please our, mm-hmm. our correspondent there, but they've got Wesley Toa, Akulimanga, Alfatano Alfred- Edg- still kicking around, Balmont god is he still playing kind of, Tavares you know there were some good solid journeyman players there but they don't yet have the kind of young Vin to knit them together and it doesn't look like they're going to do much more in the window so they're just going to have to work really really hard um, to try to, to get over that
0: yeah Yeah, come out the other side. And uh, let's finish with the question on Nice. Jez, I'd I'd like to get your take on this as well so you can uh, start us off on this. So, um, the question and and your thoughts.
2: So, the question comes from Nico LG, whose Twitter handle is at Nico underscore LGY. And the question is, what's your take on Nice? How serious is Radcliffe in the overall project? Will he just be another McCourt? Um, Do you reckon? Well, I mean I, I think it's it's too early to say um, how invested he is, but I guess the fact that he's shown a lot of patience over the summer and the deal still hasn't entirely gone through is a good sign that he's sort of still there. The fact that he's the shirt his company is sh- the shirt sponsor probably shows that he's already invested. And you look at the the money he's put into the cycling team, I guess you could say that if he, if he takes a sporting project seriously, he takes it seriously. So from that point of view, it's good. If you look at the point of view of what a fucking hypocrite he is um, <laughs> in terms of um, being very, very pro-Brexit, but living abroad to avoid paying tax and also investing in foreign teams rather than English teams – then maybe he's a little bit less reliable. Um, in terms of the, the, the team, the, the very first thing and the major thing is obviously securing Vieira. Um, I've said loads of times, I think he's doing such an underrated job. Um, managing, he, he managed them to, I can't remember where exactly they finished, somewhere around 7th, 8th, ninth last year, but basically doing it without any strikers all season. Um, and probably being unfairly painted as a defensive manager. I don't think he's got much choice in the matter. But um, he did brilliantly last year, had a terrible pre-season, yet has begun the the, the season with two wins out of two. Um, so I, I think he's he is clearly showing huge potential as a coach. But he was very hurt by the fact that he came in and it was Riviere and Fournier, I think, who, who brought him in. Mm-hmm. And then they immediately left. So he had a clause added to his contract saying that if they ever come back, he's allowed to break his contract and walk. Mm-hmm. So a lot depends on whether Radcliffe brings them back, which is what's been mooted. And if they do, whether Vieira exercises that clause or not. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to me, at the moment, Vieira is Nice and their success or not entirely turns on, on him and whether he's there.
0: Yeah, that that's my that was my theory because taking my personal biases aside, like you said, I think he's done a magnificent job, and he he's he's had other offers, and and he has stayed loyal to Nice and the project of Nice. But I do wonder if um, certain clubs, particularly those in the northeast of England, potentially uh, continue a bad start. It's the sort of name that would be quite glamorous, I think, to be a Premier League club going after them. Now, whether he would want to work under someone like Mike Ashley, I'm not so sure. But you know what I mean? He, he's a name that I think people will look at and think, actually, this coach is, is too good and we could take him away from from Nice. And um, and working, like you say, with basically no strikers and, and not a lot else. Uh, and whether you like Sir Maximin or not, that's another key component of of any sort of forward play they had taken away this summer. Um it's 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 an open book in terms of what happens next. They've been linked with a couple of forwards, Rich. Am I right in saying today?
1: Uh yeah, over the last couple of days they've been linked with Casper Dolberg from, from Ajax. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. twenty million is the is the fee there rumoured. And the other one, be it as an alternative or as an addition, uh is Jean Kevin Augustin. Uh, and bringing bringing him back so um i think the thing with Vieira is is how much input radcliffe will will have and how much meddling he will he will want mm-hmm. um my impression is probably not a lot um and then the other one is is the money is going to be there you know nice nice as a as a as a club as a whole there's a lot going for it. You know, money is There's just the one thing I think that's missing because they've got, you know, fantastic stadium. They've got good support. They've got an excellent, um, you know, training facilities, a good academy. See um, you. Yeah, very nice part of the world. You know, you took the money in there and there's some real, real potential. Um, so I think for for Vieira, it's, it's balancing that up. Can he recognise that, actually with some money and, you know, a, a base of talented players, you know, there's, they've got a good blend of experience and youth in that squad. If they can then just add, you know, it's not going to be buckets of players needed to, to, to be added to this team to make them, you know, a a serious candidate for, for a European place and, and, and maybe a little bit more because, you know, the, the, the blend in that squad is really good. You know, Will and Cyprian is is getting back to his best. Um, he's looked really good in, in both games so far and it's great to see him back because we know what a good player he is yeah. and can be and obviously a nasty injury has, has sort of halted his progress. But they have other youngsters. Obviously, they've got Youssef Atal, a very, very in-demand fullback back come winger, however you want to play him. They've got a great defence. I think their defensive side of their midfield is strong. So if you can add some attacking flair, some potent goal threats. I think they, they, they genuinely could be a, a decent bet for a European spot. So I think a lot of how much money is going to be available for Vieira will have, have a a big impact on whether he stays or not once the deal comes through. And and if, um, if Fournier et al do come back into the the setup.
0: Yeah. Lovely new kits as well, which we all know is vital at this level. Um, (laughs) so uh yeah yeah it's it's an interesting one to keep an eye on um this is the this is the guy who's married to Selma Hayek isn't it
1: no oh no that's no. The, that's, that's that's the ren. ren owner that's
0: the ren owner sorry I, I get my owners confused I was gonna say surely if you can
1: don't you uh, dare mix up the ren owner with with, <laughs> uh, with Jim Radcliffe I, I,
0: I get him I get him confused and I get and the other chap we just mentioned the uh, the uh um the owner of uh, mccourt the lila i get those three confused all the time but it's i think it's old age i think that's what it is but (laughs) i think
3: what's um interesting obviously is that this week we see nice play marseille which i think is possibly my game to watch out for of the weekend yes uh just, just to see what happens, basically.
0: That, that's the one I have on my on my sheet as well. As, as the one to watch. The only other one that intrigues me slightly is is Dijon Bordeaux. From a personal perspective, uh, just in terms of it, it's sort of like a must. Well, must win for Dijon it sounds a bit harsh after game three, but could be quite a big a big game for Dijon to potentially pick up three, and also quite a big game in terms of whether Bordeaux are going to be anything this season or not because things are not all well you believe what's being written about them at the moment um so that's kind of the, the two that stood out to me um gents have you got anything different to those two
1: uh i'll let jez go go for it jez
2: uh monaco neem for me hmm. two teams on the two teams on the bottom of the table at the moment um again kind of a six pointer i think neem have got an excuse they're Nîmes, they're not Monaco, they're having a big turnaround that they need to adjust to. Um, Monaco, like Marseille, yet to score even. Um, I think, you know, whoever can get out of this game with a win, will feel that, you know, they've now got a little bit of momentum and something to build on. Whoever loses it, zero points after, after three games, then you're, you're really struggling already.
0: Mm. Put your money on nil-nil then, is what you're saying there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh,
1: Rich, round us off.
0: what's your tickle?
1: Um, I'll resist the urge to say the Co between Strasbourg and Rennes, <laughs> And I will go, I'll still keep it Breton. I'll go Brest-Rams. Mm. Um, I think Brest have been um, good in their opening two games, whilst also being a little unlucky. Uh, they took the lead in both games. Um, but in both fail to hold on to those leads, uh, those leads, sorry um, so they're at home to Rouse, I think it's a game they may they may fancy their chances, uh, Rouse obviously a, a, a fairly established decent team now in in Ligue 1, but um, I think it's always fun watching the, the newly promoted teams, especially those teams where it's been um, you know a, a little while since they were in the top flight, so You know, there'll be a. I think the breast stadium is one of those sort of slightly sort of ramshackle stadiums where there's always going to be a good atmosphere. Um, So I think that one could be an interesting game to keep an eye on. On the basis that all the other games I'd have picked have already been mentioned.
3: Yeah, and we've got we've got a screwed up schedule this week as well um, because. There's no Friday game, there's a Saturday multiplex, there's three games on Sunday and then there's games on Tuesday and Wednesday which I am informed is because the G8 Summit is in Biarritz which is nowhere near Montpellier, Lille or Nice which are the games that have been moved to the Tuesday and the Wednesday. So frankly I've no idea what's going on Um, but the pod, the pod, the next week might be at a slightly strange time. Mm,
2: or with slightly well, so just just to say we've like, we've mentioned matches for various different reasons of intrigue, but I suppose really the headline match is Leo against Saint-Etienne who mm. both both had brilliant seasons last year, both are sort of not hit the heights yet, sort of adjusting to big changes in their teams. Mm. Um, but it, that could be a good match yeah.
3: could be a good and good that's match. the early one
0: on Wednesday you, you are so. actually all wrong because we all know that uh, 20th bottom place Le Mans hosting uh, joint top Lorient and Ligue 2 is clearly the biggest game of the weekend so <laughs> just like to throw that out there right away, uh, we're coming back people, we are coming back uh, anyway, um, we're not coming back uh, until next week because this is where we're going to end this week it's almost like i sort of seamlessly meant that honest but uh, thank you very much for tuning in as always uh keep your ears and eyes on the website and of course the, the twitter feed uh where we'll be um sort of spewing sweet nothings as we do when anything happens um, as you will be aware as well particularly if you're living in the uk you'll probably be aware that although the uk transfer market is shut the uh, european market is still very much open so we will try and keep across any movements uh, that are worth noting in the coming days. Have um, a feeling certain certain bigger sides might be quite busy in the run up to that window, so we will have that covered. And um, and just a, a little piece of information, just to keep your your ears and eyes open for. Um, we are looking into this season uh, bringing back some merch. So uh, if you um, quite like the idea of uh, of, of sporting a nice uh, FFW cock on your chest that was meant then uh we may well have some some things for you to keep an eye out on in the coming weeks so uh yes we'll we'll give you some more announcements on that when things are in place but Plans are in the works so and we're going, to,
1: we're going to get a sponsor for the podcast as well INEOS are going to be the new sponsor. <laughs> does
2: that mean we're going to get paid
0: fantastic
2: That'd be great. What? <laughs> no, no. In, Euro- in Euros
0: Euros yeah How? accounts that we can't access oh if only anyway until that happens um, we will be back next week so uh, I'm glad to be back thank you all for listening and uh, thank you for, for tuning in as always and my thanks to the panel to Phil to Jez and to Rich. thank you very much to all Thank you. you. And as I say, we'll be back at some point next week. Whether we'll do it slightly later, given the fixtures, we'll see. We'll try and make our schedules work. But we'll be back at some point. Uh, Until then, enjoy your French football. Keep it farmers. and We'll speak to you very soon.